Friends, this morning uh, we're going to hear from uh, Andy Wood. Andy is the RUF pastor at Virginia Tech. Many of you know him. Uh, he's a friend of our congregation. Um, some of you have never uh, met Andy, and uh, just, uh, I'm really thankful Andy's here. He's actually the first person in this area that I spoke to when I was uh, starting to talk with you all about becoming the pastor here. I Andy and I were in seminary together. We were neighbors just a few doors down for a year or two, and I called him and said, uh, so is this something I should think about? And, and Andy said, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm very thankful for his counsel and advice and uh, thankful for his friendship and his service at Virginia Tech. He and Amy, his wife, uh, both serve with RUF at Tech. And so, uh, Andy, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Please come and open God's word to us. <coughs> Thanks. Good morning. It's a privilege to be here. Again, I was driving in on 419 and saw the property, and it's awesome. We have been praying uh, with you guys for a long time for that, and so it was awesome to drive by and not just see the house, but see dirt and uh, beams and all sorts of uh, stuff over there. And so um, know that we are continuing to pray uh, with you guys and are excited uh, to celebrate what God's doing uh, in your midst. Um, let me give you a few ways that you can pray for us before we, we get into the Psalms this morning. Um, it has been a good summer for us. It's been busy. Um, it's really fall now. Our kids, I have three kids in elementary school, Josiah. Uh, he's 10. He's in fifth grade. Uh, Cooper is eight, he's in third grade, and Sadie Jane, our daughter, she's six and in first grade. Uh, Benji, our youngest, is starting preschool uh, tomorrow, um, and so um, things are already sort of in full swing for us, at least as, as they're concerned. Our students, our other kids, um, they get back, um, well, any day now. Uh, our, leadership, our leadership team uh, retreat uh, out at Smith Mountain Lake starts tomorrow um, through Wednesday. Move-in officially starts on campus on Wednesday. Uh, RUF Welcome Week stuff starts Thursday. We have uh, just a myriad of things going on the first uh, couple weeks of class. Our first large group is the 29th of August. It's a Tuesday night, and um, we're, we're, the, the snowball is um, rapid at this point. And so you can just pray for us, the busyness of the semester as we, as we get going, as um, our kids adjust um, to, to the routine of having students around all the time and um, all of that. Just pray for sanity for us and for, um, for a, a great um, turnout with all of our events. There'll be almost 7,000 freshmen um, coming to Virginia Tech this fall. We have not hit the 7,000 mark in our history as a university. We are as close as we have ever been. Um, and uh, so that, that means all sorts of things. That, that means the next two weeks are going to be crazy um, just as people transition and start class on Monday the 28th and all of that. It means um, that we're overcrowded as a university. There's a lot of um, living on top of one another, three people in a room and all sorts of just stuff that um, wasn't happening when I was a student at Tech and um, it's just becoming more and more common. And so just as, as tensions are, are high and as um, students are in this weird, we're going to talk about wisdom and folly uh, this morning out of Psalm 14 and 15, and there's a lot of wisdom and folly um, uh, at, at Tech um, on campus, maybe more folly. Um, sometimes our students are these beautiful creatures, right? They're, they're so wise, they, most of them raised really well. It's beautiful to watch them make great choices, and then you're like, who, who are you? Where did you come from? How could you think that, right? There's this 
tension. Um, and so just pray for us as we navigate those waters, as we love students through the um, ups and downs of, of ministry. Um, that would be great. It has been a, a busy summer for us. We had, I did five weddings uh, this summer from June to um, last weekend was my last one. They're all students that met in our ministry, uh, which is awesome and has been really fun. It's been crazy. So I just want you to pray for them. These couples, um, just pray for their new marriages, that God would protect them, that they would continue to love one another. Some of them are in grad school. Some of them are starting new jobs and moving to new places, trying to plug into, uh, into churches and all of that. So just pray. Um, one of the things we talk about in RUF, it, 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 we know a successful ministry, um, not so much by uh, attendance, right? This, this like hounding of numbers, trying to gather folks. That's, that's great. If God blesses our ministry, that's awesome. Um, but we really want to see success in ministry as people are walking with Jesus 10 years after they graduate. And, um, and, and so uh, hopefully these marriages are a step in that direction as they commit to each other and commit under the Lord to, to love one another. We want to see those marriages thrive in the next 10 years. And so just pray um, that in 10 years, those, they would still love each other, <laughs> that they would still be married and uh, would be pursuing um, the kingdom, that they, that they would um, really know and love Jesus and their impact for the kingdom would be great. Um, lastly, I'll ask you just to pray um, for us. Uh, Fundraising-wise, uh, the Lord has provided, and we, we're, great, we're grateful um, you guys have uh, partnered with us uh, for many years, and so I want to say thank you, first of all. Uh, we would not be on campus um, were it not for churches like yours um, giving to us, individuals uh, supporting, partnering with us in ministry. It, those marriages, who knows, in God's providence, what those would look like, but we're just thankful, and, and we are the benefactors of so much uh, of God's kindness um, through, through you. Uh, because you pray for us regularly, because you support our ministry. And so um, we're just thankful. Um, ministry is getting more expensive. As our ministry grows, as students, more and more students come, we're, we were tallying up the food budget, uh, the, RU, the Virginia Tech RUF food budget, and it's um, a, a lot bigger than it was six years ago. Uh, we, we, uh, Amy went to Costco uh, she drove to Winston-Salem, the closest Costco from Blacksburg, um, with a friend and filled the van with plates and bake it. We have, we have a pancake breakfast next Saturday, and um, we're doing 12 pounds of bacon this year. Um, we made eight pounds of bacon last year and ran out. I actually, um, I'll tell this quick story. I had a student, I met with him this summer. Uh, he's he's going to be a junior. And he said, you know, this was unprovoked. He brought it up on his own. He said, Andy, I know the pancake breakfast is coming up. And I, I, I remember the pancake breakfast last year that we, we it was great. It was, it was wonderful. But we, we ran out of bacon. <laughs> it's, can, I, can, I buy, can I buy some extra bacon and just bring it? Can, can, can I just help? With the, so we don't run out of bacon. So that's where we are as a ministry. We are, we are running out of bacon as a ministry. And that's a good place to be. But um, if, if you are interested in partnering with us, even in helping with some of these food things um, that are coming up in, the, in, the, in, in a few weeks, um, uh, let, let me know. Talk to me afterwards. I have, um, 
these are postcards. We give these out to as many freshmen as we can. It has a bunch of our fall dates on it. Um, it has my contact information on it. If you want to get in touch with me, if you know of a student coming to Virginia Tech, um, please let me know. I would love to follow up with them and, and connect um, them with our ministry. Um, it's also a way for you to pray for us. Um, if you could throw it up on your fridge, or I, have, I actually have magnets. I have all sorts of swag uh, that I brought. Um, if you want, um, you can uh, see me after the, the brief congregational meeting, and you can get that. Um, I can give you that. I also have a sheet with all the RUFs in Virginia. Virginia, uh, we have eight RUFs in Virginia. So if you know of somebody going to JMU or VCU or Christopher Newport, or some, we have a pastor on campus there willing to love your students, whoever they may be. And so if you want to get that list from me, um, please let me know. We also have um, a, a new female staff worker at Mary Baldwin. Um, her name is Chelsea. She just started. Um, she's going to do an amazing job there. This is one of the first RUF ministries at an, a female school in the country. And so we're really excited that she's here. I realized on the drive up this morning, I don't have her contact information on that sheet, but it's in my phone. So if you know someone going to Mary Baldwin, or you'd like to get in touch with her about support, I'll text you her information and you can get in touch with her, but she's not on that sheet. So we're thrilled that Chelsea's there. We're excited for what she's doing and we're excited for what God's going to do at Virginia Tech. So please, um, if you would, continue to pray for us. And, um, and again, thank you for having me. Let's, let's turn now um, to God's word. We are going to look at Psalm 14 and 15. I'm going to read both Psalms now, and then we're just going to compare and contrast a little bit this morning. Uh, what does it look like to live in folly, and what does it look like to live in wisdom? Uh, this is God's word for us, and he gave it to us because he loves us. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge." Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. And now Psalm 15. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, you are kind and gracious in all that you do. And thank you for this church for the faithful gospel preaching here for years that looks away from ourselves and looks to Jesus, creator and giver of life as the source of all grace and goodness and mercy to us. Father, we, we look to him now. Would you come by your spirit? Would you make Jesus more beautiful and believable to us? Help us to live 
wisely in worship of you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been thinking a lot about wisdom and, and folly. It sort of comes with the job description in some ways. Well, first, I'm a dad, right? And so my kids, uh, we think a lot about wisdom and folly at home. Um, and, and, and it's this effort, right? Some of you are parents. You know what this is like. I want my kids to obey me, period. But I want, I want them, beyond that, to, to, to do it out of a heart that like, gets what I'm trying to, right? So don't touch the stove, period. But don't touch it because you're going to injure yourself if you do. And th- th- that, that's, there's wisdom there, right? That, there's a skill that you learn. And like, oh, that guy who's telling me what to do actually loves me, and he wants what's best for me. And so I shouldn't just listen, period. I should listen because, oh, he's got my best interest in mind, right? He cares for me and he wants what's best for me. So we're doing a lot of that at home. It feels a lot like banging my head into this podium um, often. And then, then we get to our students, right? And our students, I feel like every conversation we have with them is some sort of a wisdom conversation, as it should be. It is, it is this sort of... Um, <sighs> I don't even know how to describe it. it. It is this, like, cauldron. It's hot. They're trying to make all of these decisions. They're trying to form all of, these, all of this character. They're trying to figure out what matters to them. What are their values? What are they really going to be about? And everything, all of those decisions can be wisdom decisions. Who, who, who do I date? How do I ask her out? What does the DTR look like? How, what kind of job should I be applying for? Should I be going for this internship or not? What kind of career do I want to have? What do I want my legacy to be? And so we talk a lot about wisdom and folly. How do, how do you have skill, right, to live according to what God says? Um, I've been thinking about this for myself, too, right? I, I turned 40 um, last in November, and um, the, my 40th year is almost gone, right? So that, uh, all of those things are sort of settling in on me of, as I'm um, trying to figure out what I'm going to do, what my life is going to be about. What, what does wisdom look like for me, right? What, what really matters? What's my legacy going to be? How do I live with wisdom? How do I live in accordance with what God has called me to and asks of me and expects of me. How, how do I do that? So it's kind of, it's been on my mind a lot. And I think it's helpful for us. Um, I want to define wisdom. Let me do that first. Wisdom, the skill in the art of godly living, right? One of my professors in uh, seminary uh, gave me that one. And I think it's a helpful definition. Wisdom is the skill in the art of godly living. And folly is not that, right? It is living without skill or awareness of or in light of who God is. Um, we, we're talking a lot, right, about eclipses, right, as we prepare for tomorrow. I saw the, there are signs on 81 now, maybe you've seen them, about not stopping on the side of the road during the eclipse. Like, you can't stop if you're on 81 um, to see the eclipse. It's not allowed. It's illegal. You can't, you got to keep driving, okay? So everyone's thinking about eclipses and 
orbits and suns and moons and all of that stuff. Um, I want to propose to you that wisdom has something to do with living in God's orbit in, in, a, in a skillful way, that we live in orbit, in orientation to Jesus. And when we, when we don't do that, that's folly. In Psalm 14, the fool says, no God, no God for me. And, and, and if we unpack this a little bit across the Bible, when you think about like, um, say, Romans 1 through 3, right? Paul would say, the fool has suppressed the knowledge of God, that God's through his divine nature and his power, he's created everything that there is. And so as we see uh, on a microscopic level or on a macro level, as we see his creation, we, we know that God exists. And the fool is the one who's suppressed that knowledge, who's pressed it down and lives as if that isn't true. Right? If, if someone says, look, there's no God and they're right, even in the face of all of this, we we would maybe eventually find them out to be, to be wise, to be correct, right? And if they didn't know there was no God and said, I don't know if there's a God, that, that's agnostic, but at least it's honest, right? The fool, there's this deception, this self-deception that's happening where the fool sees, knows God exists and suppresses that truth, puts it away, lives in a narcissistic way, right, in self-orbit. I am the center of not just my life, but the universe, right? Had that conversation with my eight-year-old this morning. <laughs> he wasn't interested in this. I started preaching <laughs> like what I'm telling you. I was like, oh, this is perfect. You're, this, you're orbiting around your, you think you're the only one that matters in our family, and that everyone, your siblings, the dog, your mom and dad, like that we should all do whatever you want whenever you say it. That's folly. And he's, right? Um, it didn't work. Uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have that conversation later um, today, have it again. But um, it is, it is self-deception. It is living as if I am the only one that matters, right? I can remember in college, I was a freshman at Tech, and mom and dad um, got me a credit card. Anybody, this may be a familiar story. You know where this is going. Uh, mom and dad got a credit card for, for emergencies, right? And um, I found downtown, uh, as I wandered off campus the third or fourth week, of, after, you know, after you leave the bubble of campus, I wandered and found a CD store. Uh, the CDs, right, I know, um, found a CD store um, that sold not just like regular CDs, but that sold, somehow sold these like bootleg concert stuff. I'm not even sure they're supposed to be selling this stuff, but or it was like European releases of, of stuff. I can remember several albums. Um, Dave Matthews was starting to get really big at that point, which tells you a lot about when I was in school. Um, but I found some European release of a concert that he did over there, and it, it was amazing. It was great. And I had to buy it and didn't have cash, and so I used my emergency credit card for it. And it worked. It went about a week or two, and I didn't hear anything from my dad. And so I thought I was in the clear. 
And so I started foolishly, right, using that thing everywhere, everywhere. And um, it, caught, it caught up to me. It was not smart. Um, but it, it, it is a prime example to me of what um, folly looks like, the fool um, who's orbiting around himself. This is what I want. I must have it, right? And again, it's why I love working with college students, because that impulse is in them. I see that. It's shiny. I want it. Give it to me. And yet there is this processing that's happening of trying to wrestle, okay, what is most important? Where is, what would godly living look like? If I know that God exists, if I know that he's real, how would I live? passage changes. So in in verses 1 and 2, the fool says, no God, there's no God for me. In verse 3, God says, God looks down from heaven. He kind of peers down, bends over, looks to see, and sees everybody's got this tendency. They've all turned aside. They've become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. There's a universal bent in us towards self-deception and self-gratification. This me-ness, this orientation, right? It's what premarital counseling has been for the last nine months of my life with these five couples. How do you overcome this orientation to make everything in your life about me? How do you live with skill in the art of godly living in your marriage? How do you accept an orientation like Ephesians 5 that says, no, that real love involves dying for the other instead of taking a means to an end to get whatever it is that you want at the moment? There's a bent in all of us. It's universal towards ourselves to not live in orbit, to reject God who we know exists. And I think that exists in all of us, right? It may not be that you are renouncing the faith entirely, but it functionally, we often live this way. I'll use myself as an example again. I, I wish, uh, I know I have friends in the ministry who are pastors who are prayer warriors, <laughs> And I, I wish that were true of me. And I, I am not where I used to be, but I am not where I want to be in my prayer life. Um, I struggle to pray. Let me say it this way. I struggle to pray when it's not about me. I am really good at praying for me. Or cloaking my desires in sort of a godly prayer kind of thing that God would sort of sanctify, that he'd sort of baptize whatever it is that I want. I'm really good at that. But if I have to pray for other people, pray for my students, if I have to pray for larger global concerns, I, I struggle and it's, it's revealed to me in the last year as I, as I have really worked to pray. And um, some of it's a battle with my cell phone. You can ask me about this later uh, for accountability purposes. Um, I am trying to pray without picking up my phone in the morning. I want to spend some time with Jesus before I touch my phone. 
okay? So you can, you can ask me if I'm actually doing that in a month or two. Um, but that, that is just one of my, my battles, uh, the narcissism of, like, who, who likes me on social media? Um, what, what emergency can I step in and be the savior of? That, that's, my, that's my deal. What about for you? How does your prayer life reveal some of this narcissism, this functional atheism that says, there's no God, it's all about me? I think that's just one, one area for a lot of us where we struggle to live wisely, to live in orbit of, of God, our creator, our sustainer, the one who upholds us, uh, Jesus, our savior who died for us, to not make him the center. It's, it, it's in us and it, it, it exposes itself in that way. So that's the fool who lives in their own orbit. They're the center of the universe. What about the wise worshiper of Psalm 15? David asked this question, who, who, who shall sh- sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? And then we get this list, and it, it's not a comprehensive list, it's a representative list, but I think it, it's helpful for us. Uh, first, it ought to s- scare us a little, right? Okay, so if we, we don't want to be foolish, we, we've learned that. We, we want to we live not just for ourselves, we want to live for God, and it says, okay, who gets to be with God? Well, just live blamelessly. Do what's right. Speak truth in your heart. No big deal. Don't slander. Don't do evil to your neighbor. Who, who takes on injury to himself. He swears to himself. He's got integrity. Um, he, he, he's good with his money. That's the, that's the guy who shouldn't be moved. That's no better, right? That's just a weight, a millstone around our necks. But look, here's the, here's the key in verse 1. O oh Lord, who shall, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? The, the, the connotation there, the intention there is who gets invited into God's house? It's not as if this list is your entrance ticket, right? That if you check off all these boxes, that's your ticket in. No, the way the psalm is formed, it's like a lot of things in the Bible. If, you, if you've been in proximity to Christianity or this church, you've heard this before, right? This list is the fruit of your invitation to come in and dwell with God. This is what someone who's been invited in looks like. These are the marks of one who has been invited into God's house. Wisdom recognizes that you're not in because you're wise. You're in because you're an invited fool. The quote from Tim Keller that's in your bulletin says there are two kinds of people in the world, right? They're all fools, but there are those who know they're fools, and there are those who don't know they're fools. And the real fools are the ones who don't know that they're fools. The Bible calls fools who know they're foolish Wise. The Bible calls fools who, who see their bent towards their own selfishness, towards their own narcissism. The Bible sees those people and calls them wise. The first step in living skillfully in the, in the art of godly living, the, the first step in that is recognizing that you want your own orbit. 
you want to be the center. And as you confess and admit that, you're invited in. You are overwhelmed by the mercy and grace of, of, of Jesus. You see that he became a fool for you so that you could be wise. This list, it's interesting too. Secondly, this list of, of characteristics all deal with our neighbor. You see that? Wisdom uh, in relation to God, in living in his orbit, still isn't about you. It takes the selfishness right out of it. It's not as if you move from thinking only about yourself to then it's just me and God in orbit. Now, wisdom, godly living, looks like loving your neighbor as yourself. Again, if you've been around Christianity, it is not at all a surprise. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is built into the system here. If you are living in God's orbit, you will walk in love towards your neighbor. You will move out towards them. You will begin to care for them in, in your uh, integrity, in how you live, in your values, in your character. You will speak truth in your heart. You will walk blamelessly and do what's right. All of these um, verses here, verses 2 through 5, are set up in parallelism. So they say this almost the same thing twice. It, the second stanza is always going to build on the first one. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Speaks truth in his heart, changes it just slightly. It, it's as if it rounds it out. You get one definition. Okay, what does it look like? Well, we want well, wisdom looks like walking blamelessly, doing what is right. And then it also encompasses not just your actions, but your words, right? There's this fullness that comes. As it, think about the money one who, who d- does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. It's that you are, you are kind in who you are lending money to, right? You're not greedy in that. And then you're also uh, not going to take a bribe, right? So you're going to act with integrity with your money. You're going to be generous on both accounts. Wisdom looks like skill in the art of godly living. It looks like recognizing that Jesus is the center of our universe. Uh, as we talk about worship, this, this all sounds like um, not Sunday morning kind of stuff, right? If you look at verses 2 through 5, that's sort of Monday to Saturday kind of stuff, right? Um, we would say a lot of these things, I mean, certainly we want to be loving to our neighbor in worship, we want to be generous with our money in worship as we give and an offering and all of that. But, but a lot of this is integrity through the, through the week, that our lives are lived in constant dependence on Jesus. When, when do we worship? Well, we, yes, we worship all the time. Part of recognizing the foolish tendencies in our own heart is to recognize that we were created to worship and when we worship the wrong things, it leads to folly and our destruction. And when we can worship Jesus, when we can worship God himself, it leads to fruitfulness. It leads to wholeness, to shalom, this peace that comes for the wise worshiper. 
Oh, there's so much uh, more that we could say here, but let me just let me just close with this. Jesus is gracious. He looks at me, a fool, and says, "I I I died for you, and not only did I die for you, I I lived for you. All of the foolish decisions that you've made, I made wise ones." I fulfilled every obligation of the law on your behalf. And as you rest and trust in me, I'll begin the process of growing you out of folly and into wisdom. And it, it is not a straight line. At least it hasn't been in my life. I'm sure some of the older folks here would say the same. It is, it is up and down, minute to minute, day to day. And yet the call for us is to recognize our foolishness, to freely admit that this place is not for perfect, wise folks who don't need, right? That what, what brings us together is our need, our collective recognition of our folly. So let me just leave you with this. As you think about what it looks like to love your neighbor, do you, do you see the folly in them? Like, do you expect it? Amy uh, had this conversation with me earlier in the week. I was frustrated with one of our kids um, for having done the same thing that I had expressly explained to them, I thought very clearly, n- not to do, and they, they did it again. And she's like, don't, don't you expect that? I mean, I, she's like, I expect, I expect that of you. And, and I... I appreciate, I appreciate that. That was grace to me. I mean, it hurt, but that was grace to me. Do, do you have that with people in this room? Do, do you know, oh, I've seen wisdom from you, but I, I've seen folly too. I've seen foolish decisions and choices. And I, I expect it, but I expect it in a way that God's going to work on both of us. That he's going to expose our folly and we're going to have grace. And he's going to continue to grow us. And when he grows us, it means we're going to have more grace for each other. And that you would be a community that as you grow and as you get into the building and as God continues to add to your number, you would be marked not by your wisdom, but by your generous reception of fools. That you would continue to be a place that's welcoming to people who don't have it all together, to people who, who, who stumble, people who struggle with their folly, and that you would trust the grace of Jesus to continue to make us wise. That's my hope for you as a church. It's my hope for uh, Tech RUF. It's my hope for my marriage and my family. Uh, it is our great hope in, in Jesus Christ. And so let's, let's go to him and pray that he would make those things true. Uh, Lord God, you are kind to fools, like foolish preachers. And so we're just thankful that you see our folly in it, you you don't leave us there. You have invited us in. You have given us grace. Pray that you would continue to work in our hearts to be gracious people, to know and expect and embrace those who struggle. Give us wisdom. Help us to know in this, uh, even today, this week, this new semester, this new school year, 
this new fiscal year, all of these new beginnings that are happening right now, Father, would you give us all wisdom? Help us to know you. Help us to, to see ourselves. Help, help us not to try to make ourselves the center of our universe, but to be content knowing that you have good things in store for us, knowing that you are a good and gracious Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.